Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving online. Welcome Facebook Live. Well, it, it is, this is like my favorite holiday. I know theologically that may not make sense to you. Like I'm supposed to love Christmas and Easter, but I have to work harder on those holidays. Thanksgiving is fun. It's just simple. There's no dressing up, no presents, no cards. Just time to be together with our families and appreciate God and and, uh, and maybe fry a turkey. Anybody doing the peanut oil fry turkey thing? I want to I wanna hear all our campuses, okay? My family won't let me do that. Um, uh, they don't trust me with anything combustible uh, for, for reasons that I've been advised by my lawyer not to share with you. But um, I heard it's really, really good. We're actually going to all go to California for Thanksgiving. Um, this is, if, you, if you're new, this is my family, my immediate family. I have three daughters and their husbands and four grandkids. And uh, uh, two of those kids are, two of those daughters are out in L.A. So we've rented a house out there together in Ventura where my middle daughter lives with my grandkids. Um, airbnb it, you know, and we're going to have... Uh, my son-in-law's family from here, the Carreras's and the Shoemakers are going to come out as well. And we're going to have six kids age four and under in a rental house this week. So that ought to be awesome, right? I mean, you know, you get that, right? The holidays and family together, it's like, oh, it's exciting. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And at some point, it's a, it's a little crazy. You're probably going to relate to the story of the couple that were, uh, they were, they were leaving Thanksgiving. They'd been, you know, at one of the family's house and hadn't gone very well. And there was tense moments in the car and, and they're driving out through the country. And there's, a, there's this quiet moment and the, and the woman looks over and sees donkeys at this farm. And she's like, relatives? He said, yeah, in-laws. It, it, it may feel like that this week. I mean, I talked to a friend who, I mean, he's just not going to do the Thanksgiving plans they had planned because it, he's afraid it's going to turn into a Saturday Night Live sketch, you know, and it's just not going to work out very well. And with the political situation being what it is and, and everything, I mean, I, I get it. I, I wonder if the pilgrims were thankful to be alive and thankful they didn't have to go back to England to be with their families. There's something that kind of all goes together with that. And, 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 and I'm, I want to encourage you on that, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in two weeks at, uh, at the movies. I am doing uh, the next next three weeks and then Todd's doing a week and then we're coming back for Christmas Eve and at the movies as you've heard already but at the movies is we use a Christmas movie and we preach from it like Jesus did use it as a as an illustration to preach from and and tell story and and it's it's going to be fun we're doing one over again from last year my favorite one and then uh, all new movies so I want to invite you for that we're going to do a movie for Christmas Eve 24 Christmas Eve services invite your friends be praying about who you want to invite and get here. I mean, for crying out loud, we got a lot of opportunity for people to find out the good news of great joy that will be for all people. So let's get it out there. That's what we want to do. But I thought today I wanted to do just a, a minute before we, in between the prodigal stuff and the vision things we did the last couple of weeks, just to take a gratitude adjustment. Okay. Just a gratitude adjustment. Just get ready. Let's get ready for Thanksgiving. The, the Old Testament, the Thanksgiving was commanded 102 times. It was mentioned 102 times. And, and, and we were supposed to be a thankful people. And, and, and I thought, well, you know, let's, let's just do this. And one of the things that would be really good is if we just read some Thanksgiving scripture. And, and here's what you need to know. Um, as a church, we're going to read a million chapters of the Bible this year. And if you want to jump in on that, you could go to hashtag one million on our website and, and, and hook up through the Bible app on that and, and join us. And if you didn't know... 
you can listen to it as well. And if you have ADHD, you can speed it up and listen to it as well. Like I may be able to listen to a million chapters all by myself and reach our goal. We're, and we're doing good. We've got about 700,000 chapters read, so we'll probably make it. But, but, but what I thought today is let's like knock off 10,000 chapters today and we'll all just read one psalm together. And, you know, there we go. Okay. So here's Psalm 100. I want you to read this with me um, out loud, not after me, but like just with me. Let's read it together and think about what we're going to do this week. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. Lord, I just want to pray for us as we head into this week that you'll help us to take a moment and be thankful. I, I'm thankful that your faithfulness continues throughout all generations and I'll get to have Thanksgiving with my grandchildren and think about what that really means. And it just think about family and it, it'll be nutty. And, and I know there are people in here that aren't looking forward to being with some of their family. And, and, it's, it, and it may, there may be different values, different things going on there that, that, that's going to make it tricky. And, and I get all that, Lord, but your faithfulness is always there. And we enter your, we enter your gates with thanksgiving today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So that's Psalm 100. If you're like, hey, what, what should we do around the Thanksgiving table? Pull out Psalm 100. It's a really easy one. You could read that. You, you could pray together. I mean, this is, this, is, this is really important for you to understand. Where did Thanksgiving come from? I mean, it came from the Bible. It was commanded by God to, to, to remember because we need to remember. It's good for us. But George Washington started this whole thing in 1789. And this is, the, this is the Thanksgiving proclamation from 1789. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God and obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly implore him his protection and his favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful heart for the many favors of Almighty God, I do recommend and assign Thursday the 26th of November to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the benevolent author of all the good that was, that is, and that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere thanks for his kind care and his protection for the people of this country." That, that, that was 1789. That's where it all got started, okay? Yeah, I think we could applaud that. And, and, and yeah, that was just a ridiculously lawyer-long way of saying, let's have Thanksgiving, right? But did you notice something? Both houses of Congress agreed on something in 1789. I just, I, that just, you know, what I thought was important. Here's where my head at this, this weekend, okay? I think that somewhere between 1789 and 2018, this Thanksgiving deal has lost its effect, okay? In my lifetime, I mean, I've seen the Thanksgiving holiday and really the entire, entire holiday season for that matter become much less about Jesus' birthday and about gratitude and much more about commerce, I mean, on Thursday, we will watch the parades, we will eat a turkey, we will say grace, the blessing, 
We thank, thank you, Christmas vacation people. We will watch. We will watch football. I mean, all of that is the same since we've been doing Thanksgiving. But but then we will start checking the internet or checking the paper if you're old school and like to have it in your hand. And we will start planning our routes for what we're going to do and what time we're going to get up. And we'll eat some pie and go to bed. And, and it seems like it's become more about Black Friday than it has about Good Thursday. You know what I'm saying? It feels to me like we've gone from thank you, God, for all you've given me a little too quickly into let's go get some more. And here's the deal. Thanksgiving is from the same root word as to think. Okay, so to think is to thank. So what I want to do is do a little thinking about our thanking this, this, this weekend so that we're ready for, for what's going to happen on Thursday. And I'll be in Luke 17. If you've got your Bible app or your Bible you want to read along with me, um, probably a text a lot of pastors are going to use about thankfulness, about 10 lepers that were healed and only one came back to be thankful. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. All right. Jesus had a tendency to break the rules and, and live on the edge. I, I kind of like this. He was on the border between Samaria and Galilee. That may not mean anything to you, but Galilee was where the Jews were and Samaria was where the people that were like half Jewish but worshipped in a very, very different way and they didn't get along with each other. That's where they were. So Jesus is always on the edge. He's always walking along the edge because he, he, he's, not, he's not boundaried in, you know. He's on the edge of heaven and earth and life and death and Samaria and Galilee. I mean, this is a, a huge statement, okay. He was on the edge of what was politically correct. And Samaria, to the Jews, was not politically correct. This is where Jesus is. This is where Jesus is hanging out. To a Jew back in these days, and these are the people that are following Jesus at this point, the only person you wanted to avoid more than a Samaritan was a leper. I mean, Samaritanism wasn't contagious and leprosy was. A leper was the worst social outcast you could imagine. A Samaritan leper that we're going to meet in a moment was really hopeless to, to a Jew. Leprosy, I mean, you probably know enough about it along the way. It's pretty much been eradicated in our day. But, but when you got leprosy back in this day, it was a death sentence. The first signs of the disease were just loss of energy and pain in your joints. <laughs> Dang, hon, I got leprosy. No, no, you don't. You're just getting old, sucker. Okay. Uh, pretty soon, discolored patches would appear on your skin, on your, on your arms, on your, on your body, on your face. You'd become literally unrecognizable. The smell was horrible and the open wounds. Your vocal cords would ulcerate so you'd be raspy. And the greatest damage from leprosy came from a loss of sensation, which meant you didn't feel it when you got an infection. I mean, you, you, your fingers could fall off and you wouldn't even know it. Think Santa Clarita diet if you've seen it and you understand what I'm saying, okay? First sign of leprosy was regarded as a death sentence. As a matter of fact, according to the law, person who has a leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and cry out, unclean, unclean, whenever they're around people. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, which you always did. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Imagine, I mean, if it wasn't horrible enough as it was, it was a contagious disease. So from the time you get, you know, you get labeled 
from the time you get diagnosed, you, you never touch another person again. You, ne- you never get to hug your family goodbye, embrace your spouse, and, and the moral stigma that went along with it because back then they thought that anybody that had a disease, it was a judgment from God. The whole, whole moral stigma was the whole, I mean, there was just, it was just overwhelming. So if a person thought they had the disease, they would go to a priest who acted as the local center for disease control back in that day, and the priest would examine them. And if he thought they had leprosy, he would say one word that would banish them from their community forever. You're unclean. Unclean. And order that person to leave the city because that's the only way they could deal with it. Otherwise, the whole city was going to get leprosy. Can you imagine that? Okay. Best, the best that a leper could hope for after you got that diagnosis was to go find some other lepers to hang out with and live in a leper colony together. So, so Jesus is walking the edge of where he's supposed to be and where he's not supposed to be because that's what he always did. And 10 lepers come up to Jesus. And they come up to him and, and, and they stand at a distance, it said. They, they stood at a distance and they shot because they, they're supposed to do that. They probably said unclean first because that's what they were supposed to do. And they said, Jesus, master, have pity on us. That's what they were supposed to do. I mean, because these people are like, literally, it's literally like the walking dead. You, they're not going to eat you, but it's, it's, they're going to give you a disease that's going to kill you. So they stood away. That was separation was the deal with leprosy. When Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. He didn't, he didn't even say, you know, hey, you're healed or anything else. He's like, go show yourself to the priest. Because he wanted there to be a little bit of faith involved in this. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Showing themselves to the priest was the way that they could get introduced back into society, right? It's the first step of getting back in. You're you're certified. They could look healed, but if the priest didn't say they were healed, they still couldn't go back home. So Jesus said, you guys go to the priest. You're good, okay? And that's what Jesus told them to do. So they they all head on their way. The ten guys, they all head on their way. And here's something that I've always missed in this story before. Something I've always missed. I, I, I always thought the 10 went to the priest and then one of them came back and said, thank you. And that's really not what it says. As you read it again, it says this, as they went, right? As they went, like they didn't even get to the priest yet. As they went, they were cleansed because Jesus can do that. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. One of them. This is a huge lesson for us as we head into Thursday. And there are a couple of things in here that God has showed me in a new way this week, and they fascinate me, and this is one of them. Because if it's me, I'm probably one of the nine, okay? I'm just going to be honest. If it's me, and, I, and, and Jesus said, go to show yourself to the priest, and I know that only by showing myself to the priest means I get my life back, then you're darn right I'm going to go show myself to the priest. And if you would say, well, how come that other guy went back and you didn't? I would say, I'm not ungrateful. I've just got different priorities. I'm I'm not ungrateful. I'm just doing what the healer guy told me to do, and I want to go get my life back. I mean, this is really, really, ultimately, it's about me. The Samaritan that came around, turned around and came back was the one guy who, before it was about him, made sure it was about Jesus. 
I mean, if, if I'm in this situation, I'm one of the nine. I'm like, okay, I'm going to the priest. He told me to do that. And hey, after I, after I go to the priest, I might turn around and go back and say thank you right then. Or at least I'm going to go home and tell my family I'm back and, and we're going to break, bake him some brownies and now I'm going to go find Jesus tomorrow and I'm going to say thank you. Hey, where'd that Samaritan guy go? Doesn't he know the priest is this way? One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. This is something else that just jumped out at me this week. What has this guy been doing for the last few years? However long Sam the Samaritan has been a leper, every time he came into public, every time there were other people around, he had to yell in a loud voice, unclean, unclean, you know, on your left, I'm, I'm coming through, don't, you know, let me run you over, whatever, well, I, you can't be around me. And he gets healed and he turns around and he goes back to Jesus and thanked him in a loud voice. He thanked him, praising God in a loud voice. He's gone from unclean to I'm clean, I'm clean, praise God, I'm coming back to say thank you to Jesus. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? How come only one of them came back? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner I want you to see both sides of this story, okay? And again, I'm there, I don't think there's anything. Jesus is not happy that the other nine didn't come back, but hopefully they went back the next day. Hopefully they went to the priest and they came back. Hopefully that happened. I just want you to see the contrast between a thankful heart and a, and a man, I'm going to get my life back. This is about me. This is about what I need kind of a heart, okay? you got ten people. They come to Jesus, they keep their distance because they're supposed to, so they're far away. They cry out for help because they want to be healed. There's nothing wrong with that. They have a horrible disease. A lot of people went to Jesus to get healed. This makes total sense. Ten of them go to the priest. That's what they were supposed to do. Now watch what happens. One of them comes back to Jesus. The word here is the same word that, that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks with the prodigal son who, who was in the worst place he could be, and he turned around and he came back home. The prodigal, literally, the, 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 the leper and the prodigal both had to turn around. And that's all you got to do is turn around and come back to Jesus. And then what? He goes to Jesus' feet. He throws himself at Jesus' feet. He doesn't, he doesn't yell unclean. He yells praise God and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. He doesn't even care. He wants to get as close to Jesus as he possibly can. What's the difference? One of them sees their healing. When he saw that he was healed, I think that's really important, and one of them gives thanks. Okay? All ten are cleansed, but one of them sees his cleansing and does something about it. And that's what I think Thanksgiving is about. It's about seeing and about doing something about it. All right? I think Thanksgiving requires both reflection and action. If, if it's really going to change us, if, if it's really going to be what it's supposed to be in our life. I mean, maybe the other nine looked down and saw that they were clean. They probably did. If one of them looked down and saw they were clean, they probably all did. 
And, 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 and hey, maybe everyone listening to me today, maybe all of you on Facebook Live, all of you are going to spend a few seconds, even if your family doesn't do it, and you're going to spend a few moments on, on Thursday saying thank you to God. I hope that you are. You know you can pause the game now on live TV. So it doesn't matter what time turkey is served. You pause the game, and, and maybe you read Psalm 100. Maybe you, can, you know, maybe you can have a prayer, even if your family doesn't want to do it. That's great. You need to be reflectful, okay, reflective. You, you, you need to spend some time doing that. But there are several things about this story that, 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 that really intrigue me. And, and I want to start with this one. Were there only 10 lepers? My guess is that there were more than 10 lepers. My guess is there were other lepers in their little leper colony. And for some reason, 10 of them decided they would go see if they could find Jesus. Maybe there were other lepers. And, I, and I'm talking to you, especially if, if you're not at one of our campuses right now and you're listening to me, I'm talking to you because maybe they thought it's not worth it. I don't want to go through the humiliation of running into people that are going to remind me of how unclean I am. And maybe you're listening to me right now and you've given up hope and you're not even going to turn around and come to Jesus in the first place. Please go back and listen to my last two weeks sermons on the prodigal. Please just turn around and run home. Please run here. God will meet you. There is no gate anymore in front of our church. It doesn't exist. We want to help you. We are all diseased. We all had spiritual leprosy. We were all dying without Jesus Christ. There's no other way to look at it. And please don't miss the fact that this was a Samaritan that turned around. It seemed really important or Luke wouldn't have written it down this way. In this context, in his community, the Samaritan would have been least likely to be the one to turn around and come to Jesus because he was on the short end of the stick anyway. He was a hated minority by the Jews, and he had leprosy. You know, one of the things I find is that it seems like those who are the worst off are the ones who are the most thankful. If you've ever been to a third world country, if you've ever been to a developing country, go with me to Africa sometime. You go, go look at people who have nothing, and their hearts are so beautiful. My favorite Thanksgiving ever will be this one in Bolivia. My daughter there to my left, Lauren, was doing a six-month uh, six time down in Bolivia uh, at a safe house for sex trafficked girls. She was studying psychology. She wanted to help, and so she went down there. So Denise and I went to visit during November, and um, my wife and I decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to put on Thanksgiving feast for these girls I mean, they, they don't do Thanksgiving in Bolivia anyway, so they, they did, it's not something they'd ever done. They never had turkey before. They never had, you know, they never had stuffing, mashed potatoes and gravy. They hadn't done any of it. And, and so we had this beautiful meal all together. And, and I, I, mean, I got to tell you, it was kind of funny because, you know, everything's really cheap in South America. I mean, it was a really cheap experience, except I paid $50 for a turkey because <laughs> there's not a whole lot of turkeys in Bolivia. Okay, and I promise you I'm not making this up. The turkey had four legs and two wings. I'm not making this up. I'm like, who wants a leg? Who wants a leg? Who wants a leg? What? And they told me that the poultry is raised close to the cocaine field, so I think the whole thing really started to make sense. But, but, but that's a true story. I mean, I was like, wow, that, maybe that turkey was worth $50. I don't know. But, but listen, what? 
what, what that whole experience taught me was that, you know, Thanksgiving is not about what you have. It's about just reflecting. It's about stopping and, and, and realizing what you do have. It's not about what you don't have. It's about reflecting on what you do. My question for you, especially as it comes to Thanksgiving season, is, is what are you going to do about it? As it comes to Jesus' birthday, what are you going to do about it? Thanksgiving requires reflection and action. Jesus said, where are the other nine? I mean, their healing is, was not predicated on their reflection and their action. Just to be clear, neither is yours, okay? You can ask Jesus to be cleansed from your sin, and he will do it, whether you're thankful for it ever again or not. It is by grace you have been saved, not works. You cannot pay for your cleansing from spiritual leprosy. Incurable disease, it's all by grace. But one of these guys decided to do something about it, and it changed his life. I'll show you. And besides that, Jesus' brother James said, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. This is, this is why I believe the one guy got a different level of healing. This is why I believe the one guy got a different level of thanksgiving that, 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 that he got to be in. And this is the tension that we live in in the United States of America. What are you going to do now that you are thankful? Are you going to do something about it? Are you, are you going to be thank, Are you going to come back to Jesus and be thankful? <clears throat> How can I do that? Well, Jesus said, when you do it for the least of these, you know, the poor, the people without clothes, the imprisoned, you do it for me. So, so my, my thought is just, what if Thanksgiving looked like loving Jesus? What if Jesus' birthday celebration looked a little bit more like loving Jesus? What, what, if, what if there was action that went along with our reflection? What if we spent a little more time in reflection? And what if there was action that went along with it? It's Thanksgiving, okay? In the Bible, Thanksgiving included action. It was a feast and it was an offering. It was a way to express the way the healed leper turned around to praise God and give thanks. It was something that he did. And here's where my head is at with this. You know, I, I've been hearing that they're estimating that Friday will break all records when it comes to retail spending this year. Economy is good. Six trillion dollars has been generated in our country in the last two years. You know what isn't going to break any records this year? Generosity. It's been interesting to watch, and don't worry, I'm, we don't need to take up an offering here. I'm not, I'm not shaking you down, okay? I'm just, I'm just, this is just where society is. This is where we are. It's been interesting to watch. Charitable giving went down 10 years ago when our economy went down. Made sense. You were losing your retirement account. Your, your house value was going down. <clears throat> and so giving went down. And guess what? When the economy came back and our house prices came back, generosity didn't. I'm just telling you that <coughs> it bothers me to think about what I'm going to spend on Thanksgiving, flying out to California and all the things that we're doing and what I'm going to spend on Christmas and what the world is going to spend on themselves this holiday season, this Thanksgiving and Christmas, while the things of God and God's heart go undone. And, and maybe we'd say, well, I'm not ungrateful. I've just got different priorities. Jesus asked, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give thanks and praise to God except for this foreigner? And again, Thanksgiving requires reflection and action. You don't have to agree with me, but I believe this was the difference in the one. 
And there are a lot of lepers out there who need healing figuratively and literally. And this church is great about that. I want you to know that. Uh, you know, I mean, you heard about the Houston. You've already heard the thank you back from Houston. Um, here's last weekend. We did a, a veterans uh, fun uh, food drive to try to fill up food pantries in memory of Aaron Toppin. And we raised 51 tons of food together. Isn't that awesome? 51 tons of food. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. And, I, and this church is great at our generosity. We are great at our action. We recently baptized our 9,000th person here at Parkview Christian Church. And many of you in this room are those people. That's amazing. And you know, but you know what? There was cost and there was sacrifice involved in that. And there were people that came before you that wanted you to know about Jesus and wanted you to be healed from your leprosy. And if you ask those people, well, well, did you give some stuff up? Yeah, yeah, we gave some stuff up. Maybe I didn't get my 4K TV the same time as all my neighbors did. Or I gave up an extra vacation or I gave up, you know, something even bigger. I gave up some bonus money or whatever so that 9,000 people could come to Jesus and their kids could know Jesus and their marriages be transformed and their addictions to be healed and receive care and support. Yeah, it was worth it. Of course it was worth it. Some of you were a part of the Daring Faith campaign recently where we decided we were going we were gonna to take on the Homer campus and we were going to go build a, a new Linux campus. Do you know that at our new Linux campus we had 2,150 people worshiping last weekend? Is that crazy? You did a great job. Way to go, new Linux. I mean, it blows my mind. Five services going on, right? I mean, and I, got, I gave to that, and, and a lot of people gave to that, and you go, was it worth it? Yeah. And right now we're building a children's edition on our Homer Glen campus so that we can do more to help figure out how to get more people into the doors of the Homer Glen campus. And I hope that you take joy in what we do through your generosity. But as we head into Christmas, I just hope that maybe all of us will take a moment of reflection and a moment of thanksgiving and do something about it. Again, we're not passing an offering. We are giving boxes. We give online. And, and, and hey, I'm spending a lot of money on, on the holidays too. And for Christmas, uh, you know, if my grandkid, if there's a Tickle Me Elmo this year, I don't know what's hot this year, but I'll, I'll find it and I'll buy it for my grandkids, okay? And, and, and we're spending money on Thanksgiving. But, but you need to understand, before we do anything, before we spend anything, we are turning around to go thank Jesus first and help him with his priorities. Cameron Doolittle says, giving is response to beauty, not an act of duty. And I think that's important. True story, Butterball Turkey Hotline. There, there is one. If you wanna know like, how do I cook a turkey? You can call him, okay? There, there, there's a hotline. Promise is a true story. One, one woman several years ago called in to the hotline and um, said, I've got a turkey, and from what I can tell, it's been in the freezer for 23 years. Is it still okay to cook it? And the butterball lady said, well, um, has it been frozen the whole time? The lady said, yeah. She said, well, it'll be okay, but it's not going to taste good. And the caller said, I promise I'm not making this up. That's what I thought. We'll just give the turkey to our church. <laughs> hey, I can't make this stuff up. Paul said, this offering that you gave is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. That's what I, I want people to look at Parkview and, and give thanks to God. That, that's all I'm saying. 
Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Now here's, here's, here's the clincher. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Has made you well. Okay? Hold on to that. Okay? Ten come to Jesus. Ten keep their distance. Ten cry out for help. Ten go to the priest. Ten are cleansed. All right? They got leprosy no more. It's good. One comes to Jesus. He turns around. One is at Jesus' feet. One sees the healing. He reflects. One gives thanks. And one is well. You know why this gets me so much? Because the word for well and the word for cleansed are two different terms. All ten of the lepers are cured from their disease, but only one of them is pronounced well. And although the gift to the nine is real, it's the one outcast Samaritan that encounters God in Jesus with a full healing that goes beyond what the other nine got. The word cleansed is about leprosy. The word well is about wholeness. Again, nothing wrong with being cleansed, but, but they don't get full wholeness. They don't get real healing. What strikes me is that the one got what all of them could get, and it's only because he turned around and praised God. It's only because he reflected and acted on his thanksgiving, and his heart was changed. And Jesus said, you're now whole. I'm convinced that thanksgiving is a pathway to wholeness. We know this, right? It's about your attitude. It's about your heart. It's better to give than to receive. We understand that. And it's God's ultimate aim for all of us to be whole. He wants every part of our being to be whole. That's the way he intended it. So here we are. Thanksgiving requires reflection and action. Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you, because you had reflection and action, has made you well. So my question for you this Thanksgiving season is, do you want to be healed or do you want to be well? That's the difference. And Thanksgiving is what makes that difference. Let's pray. Father, I just pray, I just want to reflect right now. And thank you that your gratefulness, that, that, your, that your wholeness, that your, your grace goes from one generation to the next. And, and I'll get to hang out and make that happen this week and see your goodness go on in my family. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But Lord, help all of us as we head into this week. It's a, it's a good opportunity to save money on Black Friday, and, and I get all that, and we've all got stuff we need to accomplish. But, Lord, somehow it just feels like our priorities have gotten messed up as a country. And this would be a good time to remember that we need to reflect and we need to act. And we need to turn around and come back to you because what we need is more than just healing. What we need is wholeness. And we ask for that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.